<coughs> we're carrying on in, well, we're finishing today, actually, our brief series on Joshua. And there are, there are days in your life which are memorable, and there are days in your life which are life-changing. And uh, just very, very quickly, just to help us get to know one another, I'd just like uh, a few people to shout out memorable days. So for me, one of them, unfortunately, is in 1970. I'm watching the telly, and it looks like it's going to be a night of celebration. And then suddenly, Germany put a third goal in. We'd been 2 nil up. The World Cup was in our grasp again, and Germany scored. Another one will be travelling through the Rockies a couple of years ago, just looking at beautiful scenery. So just shout out a few memorable moments in your life. Wedding day. Pardon? Caleb's promise. Excellent. Pardon? Day of baptised. Children and grandchildren. Day I got saved. Moving into Kettering. <laughs> so there are, there are memorable days. Then there are days that are life-changing. And some of them you don't even notice. Life-changing days. Like the day I was born. It changed my life. I have no recollection of it at all. And sometimes life-changing days are like that. There's a day my dad walked into my bedroom and my brother's just came in and said, I'm sorry, mum died last night, 14 years old, my brother was 10. And then he just said, you can choose whether to go to school. It's like, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> Almost missed the moment. Then there's the birth of our children, life-changing days. And today we're going to look at one of those days in the life of Joshua. But these events do not just suddenly happen. There's a, there's a process going through. And so we're going to look at uh, Joshua. In Numbers 11:28, it tells us that Joshua was Moses' aid from a very young age. As a youth, Joshua grew up beside Moses and spent time with Moses. In Numbers 13 and 14, <coughs> well, in Exodus 30, 33, 11, we read that when Moses used to go to a little tent outside the, outside the people of Israel and he'd meet with God face to face, Joshua was there beside him and often stayed in the tent longer than Moses. In Numbers 13 and 14, we hear that Joshua was one of the spies with Caleb when they'd come out of Egypt as a nation and uh, <coughs> Moses sent 12, 12 spies into the promised land. Joshua was one of them. Ten of them came back saying, hey, this land, <laughs> it's full of people we can't defeat. Caleb, as the older guy, said, yes, we can. And Joshua stood with him and said, yes, we can. Probably went something like this, yes, we can. Yes, we can. 
Caleb and Joshua together. Joshua was used to being around great men. In Exodus 17, he led the Israelites into battle. For those of you who remember the story, Moses was up on the mountain, and when he had his arms uplifted praying, Joshua was winning. When his arms got tired, Joshua started losing. So they put two men either side of Moses to keep his hands up, and Joshua pushed through and won the battle. And God says to Moses, let Joshua know he was winning when you were praying. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, we read of Moses praying for Joshua. And Joshua is filled with the Holy Spirit. In Joshua chapter 1, after Moses dies, we read this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He had vast promises given to him. He grew up under Moses, under Caleb. Now Moses was dead and he was given these vast promises. So he made some plans. He sent two spies, as we read about a couple of weeks ago. Just go and spy out the land. I'm going to lead this people into the promised land. I need to know. Google Maps is not going to be invented for three and a half thousand years. I've got to just send someone, have a look. See what Jericho's like, see what the land's like. So he sends them off. They come back and tell him. He leads the people across the Jordan River, just as God told him to. And God exalts him before the people, as we can read in Joshua 4 and verse 14. Then God says to him, circumcise all the men. Just wonder what Joshua thought. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> little job for you. I wonder if he took just a hesitant sort of, guys, just gather round. God has told me, little job. Time for circumcision again. Then he leads the people to celebrate the Passover great celebration of their deliverance from Egypt. It is on that day that the manna stops coming to feed them and they start eating the food of the promised land. Joshua was now ready for taking the land. The people were pure, they were eating of the produce of the land, 
He'd made his plans. He'd had a look at Jericho, the city they were going to take. He was chosen. He was trained. He'd received promises. He'd been anointed. And he was prepared. I hope you feel like that. Chosen by God. Been trained in the purposes of God, some for many years, some for a few weeks. We've received, as we've, re- we've heard today, vast promises from God. As a church, we've received promises, some of them going years back, about being a church of significance, a church encouraging churches around us, planting out across Northamptonshire. We've been anointed. We have the Holy Spirit. We are prepared to move into the purposes of God. I believe that with all my heart. God has been preparing us. We are ready to go, just like Joshua. But he had one more lesson to learn. A significant day. Joshua chapter 5. Verses 13 to 15. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the, of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. As Joshua went for a walk that morning, went to have a look at the city of Jericho, And I want to labour this. He knew he was chosen. He knew he was anointed. He knew he had promises. He knew he had been trained. He knew he had been prepared. And you could tell that because when he comes upon this man, he doesn't wonder, what should I say? He doesn't back off, oh, maybe I can find a way around him. He just confronts him. Are you for us or are you for, your, for the enemies? If you're for us, it's a bit like, get behind me. If you're for our enemies, I've got a sword and you're dead. It is generally agreed that this person was a pre-incarnation of Jesus. His commander of the Lord's army. And in Revelation chapter 19, you can read this. This is the Apostle John. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. 
Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is only Jesus. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Joshua. Chosen, trained, promised, anointed and prepared. And he missed Jesus. He missed him. He missed him. He stood before Jesus and he said, are you for us or against us? He missed who he was. He'd done everything right. He had everything ready. But he missed Jesus. And I believe all my heart is important for us to hear that. Because of the purposes of God for us. What's important here is not that Joshua missed Jesus, but what Jesus does at this point. He says to Joshua, I'm not for you. I'm not against you. I am your Lord. I am your Lord. I am the commander. Joshua, you're already. You've sent your spies out to find out a little bit about the land. Even now you're looking to see what you're going to do. But what you're going to do is what I tell you. He doesn't rebuke Joshua, he doesn't tell him off just says, I'm coming as your commander. What happens from now on is going to be led more directly by me. I've spoken to you. I've told you where you're going. I've given you the promises. I've anointed you. I've trained you and prepared you. But now I'm going to lead you more directly. And, the, and then Joshua has the rather takes Jericho by walking round seven times. Not by battle, not by power, not by might, but by God's spirit, Jericho falls. <clears throat> the Lord says to him, I am commander of the armies of God. What has God said to us? We are chosen, trained, promised, anointed and prepared. I challenge you over dinner today to get at least, to remember at least three of those things, five things. You are chosen, trained, promised, anointed, and prepared. I challenge you just to ask people you're having dinner with, how many of them can I remember that God has prepared us as a church? And then God would say to us, I am commander of the Lord's army of which I am a part, of which we are a part. The church is his body. Yes, we know Jesus individually. But Jesus would want to pick us up 
and bring us to his, to his body once again. See, COVID has made me, and because it has made me, I suspect it has made most of us, it has made me much more of an individual Christian. I, I've flicked through numerous churches having a look. Oh, I like their worship. I like the way they do their notices. Oh, I like their preachers. It's made me more of an individual. I've sat at home rather oddly watching myself preach on the telly. <laughs> sort of out-of-body experience. And I've not had to worry about turning up to church. How can I use my gifts in the body? Because it's been me and Leslie on the sofa. Well, and two cups of coffee and a few biscuits. And suddenly we're back. I've got to think again. How can, how can I use what God has given me to bring encouragement and blessing and strengthening to the people around me? For a year I've not had to think, for a year, 15 months I've not had to think about that. Now I'm having to think about it again. It's made us far more consumerist. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but I wonder how many of us watched online in bed. Now, I know some of you did because you turned up for the coffee breaks in bed. It's true. I certainly watched in bed on occasions. On other occasions, I thought, why watch it this morning when I can watch it this evening? I've been able to choose. Now suddenly, I'm having to adapt again to coming to a place... By the way, we start at half ten, just a hint. <laughs> Where I have to come like everybody else at a set time, otherwise it's going to... We're all just going to come through the day. And suddenly I'm having to change my, my Sundays again. I can't just choose when to come to church. Come to gather with his people. I can't just choose who I watch. I won't ask you to put your hands up again here. But let's face it, <coughs> most of us are sort of... There, there are very few people in this room who right at this moment, if you're feeling bored, will just go to the kitchen and make a cup of coffee and then come back again. But at home, at home, when you know the person on the screen can't see you, Oh, this is a boring bit. I'm off. <laughs> I'll be back again in a minute. Fortunately, like this, we're held by social constraint. 
and a certain amount of embarrassment of if you got up, everyone would know. We become more individual, we become more consumerist. We have become more fearful. The atmosphere in our nation is more fearful. I wasn't going to do this, but I will. Because of the number of people in this room, if you just go on statistics, I can confidently say that statistically no one will die of a car accident today. Okay? And most of you go, yeah, fine. <coughs> because of the numbers of people in this room, statistically, I can tell you, well, based on pure statistics, that no one in this room will catch COVID. Statistically. Most of you are struggling to believe that, actually, because it's just a pure statistic figure. It's not actually the truth of living life. It's about 0.7% of catch code. So you've got to have 100, uh, hun, um, you had 100 people in here, still, the probability is you wouldn't catch COVID. But that's not how we feel. That's not how we feel. And that's something of the fear that has come into our nation. Now, there's wisdom, and I'm not knocking. I don't want to say don't do anything about COVID. I'm just, I just want to reveal some of the fear that's within us. That's all it's for. I would still want us to be wise, say, wash our hands, face, face, hands. <coughs> but that fear permeates more and more of life. And as <coughs> Barbara brought to us, God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And we've got to take hold of these promises. So we are chosen. We have a commander. It's time to regroup around that commander and his body. At last week, last um, time's week of prayer, Helen brought a word. And we were just praying about what we should do as a church. And she said she had a picture and said, the picture is, what open door should do is a blank page. But what God is writing over here is what we will do. And in the days ahead, he's going to transfer this onto this blank page. But at the moment, the blank page is blank page. And actually, Adrian and I are happy with that. We want to regroup, reconnect together, regather together before we rush out and do lots of things. But God has it written down for us. And I wouldn't, obviously I would in a way, but in the coming week of prayer, I believe with all my heart that it's crucial that the majority of people get there. because we will hear God together and he'll begin transferring some of the writing that he's written down for us 
onto this blank page. <coughs> so Jesus says to Joshua, I don't come before, for you or against you, I come as commander of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell face down and said, what message do you have for his servant? And Jesus says to him, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. God would say to us, we are a holy people. We have been brought with, an, with a price. We are not our own. We cannot do what we want. We do what we're told. By a loving, kind, generous, compassionate, holy and purpose-driven God who is looking to win the world for himself. We are called to serve him in holiness. We're in a time of adjustment. We're in a time of regathering. Jo Joshua had been doing everything right. He hadn't got anything wrong. And I believe we are in that place. We've come through the, the COVID anomaly of being in our own homes, watching a screen. We come through that well. We're moving on in God's plan. But now God is saying to us, I come again. Revelation 3, verse 19, which is so often used um, incorrectly to draw people to himself, when actually it is a word to the church. I believe it's a word to us. Revelation 3, verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's Jesus to his church. Jesus wants to sit down with us. He wants to talk to us. I've got ideas about what we should do as a church. You've got ideas about what we should do as a church. What we need is to stand before the commander of the Lord's army. Bow down. This is holy ground. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to worship you for who you are. We want to serve you in our homes, in our jobs. We want to serve you in projects of the church, in what you want us to do. These are fresh days of hearing from Jesus. And I think for me, and I think for most of us, we need to think about, as a Christian, how individualistic have I become? How consumer-driven have I become? How fearful have I become? Because a holy God is standing among us and saying, I'm ready to lead you. I'm ready to take you where you've not been before. A land flowing with milk and honey. 
a land of growth, personally, a land of growth numerically, a land of growth in the blessing, the power, and understanding, enjoying the love of God and the family of God that he has put us in as part of his church here at Open Door. And we stand. Father, we stand before you. We thank you for what is written in your word to encourage us, to teach us, and to train us. And as Joshua stood before you and he, he failed to recognize who you were and yet you embraced him and led him on, took him more into your presence so he had to take his shoes off because of the holiness. So we stand before you as your church, open door. Say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Speak to us. Release more of your gifts to us. Draw us together as your family, as your body here at open door. Draw us together in worship and celebration of who you are. Draw us together in supporting and encouraging one another. Draw us together in making this a safe place for us to come, to learn, to make mistakes, to be given second chances. To not worry about whether we've done the right or the wrong thing, but to know that we're loved by a God who is gracious, compassionate and merciful. And strengthen us by your Spirit that we might do the exploits that you have for us in the days ahead. We are your people. We choose to be separated to you and to do what you want us to, not what we want us to. I do pray, Father, that you'll continue to speak to me, but you'll speak to us. How individual I've become. How consumerist I've become. And how fearful that I might change that we might change to serve you with all our hearts to bring glory to our commander, Jesus Christ. Amen.